Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this podcast. Let's face it, there are so many choices that you have when you log on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast love. I just appreciate it when you keep coming back to this show. But if it's your first time here, thank you so much. I hope you're going to enjoy today. Today is going to be one of those solo episodes that I do, I don't know, every so often. Everybody says I should do them more often, but I do them about a little less than once a month. But today I want to talk about the importance of presentation skills for executives. If you want to be a person who makes waves in business, you can't sound like an idiot when it's your turn to get up and speak. And everything is changing in the world. So much of the presentations that we have to make now are coming over video via Zoom or another platform or their pre-recorded videos. And I'm finding that so many executives are really starting to worry about what do I do if it's going to be on video? Where before they thought, "Hmm, I'm going to go give a speech in front of my company or at an industry conference, I can kind of wing it. And the theory was, if I wasn't great, it's not like it's going to be there forever. But now everything's being hybrid. Things are being streamed. Things are being recorded. And the fear level about looking not as sharp as you could is actually something that I'm starting to hear a lot from. In fact, In the last couple of months, I have received more phone calls from people I know and people I don't know who are looking for presentation skills training because they have to do all of these new types of presentations. And it's starting to become something that really smart executives are becoming aware of. So today, I just thought I would kind of ramble on for just a short little podcast episode about the importance of having really good presentation skills. And then at the end, I'm going to make a special offer to you. If you would like to get some coaching, I will do a special offer for anyone who mentions this podcast. But before I get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of today's episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. If your company is realizing that, hmm, we have to replace somebody or we're expanding and it's time to add a CFO or a CMO or anyone else on your team who is really, really key to the success of the business, you probably want to not make a mistake. You probably want to interview properly, which means you're probably going to talk to an executive search firm. If that's true, I hope that you'll talk to Stanton Chase International because I actually work for Stanton Chase International. So you can contact me directly at tom at tomsinger.com or you can find me on the Stanton Chase website at stantonchase.com and I am in the Austin, Texas office. So find me and let's see if we can work together on that. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about presentation skills. There are so many different types of presentations that somebody who is an executive has to make. So I'm just going to talk you through some of the things you have to do. Oftentimes, when when I think about speaking, I see it through the lenses of my world. Those of you who are regular listeners to this show know that I have made my living for the past 12 plus years as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies. And a lot of my friends and the people I hang around with 
are professional speakers and corporate trainers, and that's because I'm a pretty active member in the National Speakers Association. And that's an association for people who earn their living with the spoken word. And so I often think about speaking as making a formal presentation to a large audience. I typically speak to audiences of 200, 300 to about 1,000 people, sometimes larger, oftentimes smaller. But for me, when I think of an audience, three or 400 people is about the sweet spot of where you're going to find me on many, many stages every year for the past decade plus. However, that's only one place that an executive would have to give a speech at an industry conference. And it happens, but that's not the, the usual way that they have to do it. So many executives are doing internal presentations to their teams. If they have a huddle or a daily stand-up meeting with their team and they want to inspire them and they want to lead them, they've got those types of meetings. Now, again, some people are naturals at that. And you've all seen it throughout your career. There's certain leaders who, when they get into a room, their team is there. They just say a few words and everybody walks away going, yeah, right on. I'm totally on board. Yay, team. However, you've probably also worked with some people who, when they get up there and they do it and they try to wing it, um, uh, so let's see, they just can't seem to get it. Everybody is thinking, oh, please, please let this be over. And when they say, in conclusion, you think, oh, thank God. So you've got those little presentations that you might have. Then you have the presentations that might happen in a boardroom. Maybe you're pitching uh, you know, the next quarter or the last quarter's stats to your board of directors, or maybe you're talking to your investors or a whole room full of customers, and it's really just a boardroom table with five or six or 10 people sitting around it. That is a different type of presentation. Should you use PowerPoint during that presentation, or should you just have a conversation? I don't know. There's so many variables, but those types of meetings are really, really common. Then there's those informal conversations that sort of pop up when you are in the, uh, you know, uh, at, at a maybe a luncheon with a client or you're at some sort of a networking event and a potential client or a prospect or a referral source says to you, tell me more about your company. How do you present yourself in that time? We spend so much time focused trying to teach executives how to create an elevator pitch, but those usually come off as canned, sometimes even corny. So I don't know that that's where you want to go. But we do informal presentations all the time. And these are things that you need to be thinking about if you're going to grow your career. Then there's the more formal presentations. Again, maybe it's to your board, maybe it's to all of your employees, where you, but it's a larger room and you're going to be up on a stage and you're probably going to have slides and you're going to have more of a presentation. Think of like Steve Jobs making a product launch. Those types of things didn't happen by accident. Steve Jobs rehearsed for months before he made those types of presentations in, in the arenas that he did because when Apple would have an event, it would take arenas. Your company, it might just be a larger conference room. But still, you should be very prepared when you're going to make that formal type of presentation. Also, executives are often on teleconferences where there's no video, there's no presentation, you're just sitting there on your phone, or maybe you're now doing that type of a meeting via Zoom. So now you're adding in that camera angle. And we've all been on Zoom calls where somebody is looking down at their camera, their camera's in the wrong place, they don't have a good enough camera, or they're using that camera that's just built into their laptop. There are lots of ways that you can make sure you're going to look better when you're doing that sort of informal uh, uh, presentation. And then... There are those extremely technical presentations. I live in Austin, Texas, and I work with a lot of executives who work for tech companies, and they have to do presentations that are going to be much more technical. So when we think of presentation skills, it's kind of overwhelming. I've probably only scratched the surface of the types of presentations you might have to give throughout your career. 
And I think that if you're listening to this episode of my podcast, you're concerned about how do I do a better job with all of them? So when I work with people, one of the things we want to think about is how are you using your voice? You need to start off realizing that, especially if you're talking to a room of people, it's visual and audio audio that's taking place. So you want to make sure that your voice isn't just monotone. I worked with one executive who no matter what he was talking about, numbers were up 100%, but they'd had a lot of turnover. There was no inflection in his voice. Vocal variety is one of the most important things that you can do if you are giving a speech, no matter what kind of speech it is. The second thing is that visual piece is how are you using your body? How are you gesturing? It's going to be a lot different if you're seated around a boardroom table or if you're standing on a giant stage talking to 5,000 people. I one time remember watching a woman give a speech and she had written a book and she was bragging up on, you know, how successful she was. And, you know, she wanted to be a professional paid speaker. And she was saying, everyone says I'm so great after I give a speech. And so I went, I went to watch her speak to a a local organization and she stood on this giant stage. She stood in one spot. It was as if somebody had taken super glue to the bottom of her Jimmy Choo shoes. And she just stood there. The whole time I was looking at the large stage and she would make a point. She wouldn't move towards the audience. She wouldn't move away from the audience. She never went side to side. And afterwards she asked me, how do you think I did? And I said, well, you never moved. And she goes, it doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. Yes, it did. Because so many people were saying, you know, how they kind of lost interest in her because there was no visual movement to what she was doing. So you also, you also need to be thinking then um, about the preparation that goes into this. Are you using slides? Are you not using slides? What does that mean? What is the room going to be set up as? If you're doing the types of speeches I do to large convention audiences, it matters. Are people sitting at rounds? Are people sitting in uh, rows? In this world that we've been in the last few years, are people socially distanced? Are all the chairs far apart? These things matter because it impacts how you can get people to engage with each other. So even in around your, your conference room table with just a dozen people, thinking about the arrangement of the room really matters. Who's going to be seated where? How are you going to be able to, to you know, engage with people? So those things really matter. The other thing you have to think about is, what's my call to action? I one time was talking to somebody and they said, I hate motivational speakers. I absolutely hate the idea. And I said, no, I think, I think all speakers need to be motivational speakers. And they said, oh, you're wrong. I hate motivational speakers. I want the opposite. So I said, all right, what is the opposite of a motivational speaker? And they looked at me like a doe in the headlights. They're like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you just said you hated motivational speakers. What's the opposite? What is the opposite of the word motivation? Think about it for a minute. I've asked this question to dozens of people. And the only word that people ever really come up with is unmotivating. One person did say sucks the energy out of the room. So if you don't believe that every time you give a speech, you have to be a motivational speaker, then maybe you're a demotivational speaker or the one who sucks the energy out of the room. Executives who make waves in business, who shake things up, who get things done, who change the world, aren't demotivating and sucks the energy out of the room. Therefore, you need to think about what is my message? When you're writing your speech, there needs to be an entire arc of where you're going with this. And these are things that have to be thought out long in advance. And you need to be thinking about how will I open the speech? One of the things I tell everybody I work with is your first five minutes of an hour long speech and probably of any speech, your first five minutes, or maybe even only three minutes 
everybody's paying attention to you. They're all giving you the benefit of the doubt. And yet most people get up there and they hem and they haw and they shuffle their papers. They welcome everybody and they say hello and they, you know, compliment the audience. Pretty much everybody tunes out by the time you get to the five minute mark and then you start talking. No, you need to take the presence of the room. You need to get up there and you need to give that speech. You need to know what you're starting. You need to have an opening that is strong. And if you don't think you need an opening that is strong, then maybe you're dropping the ball. Same thing is true at the end of the speech. And that's where your call to action is so important is after you've shared all of this information with everybody, what are you going to ask them to do? Are you going to ask them to invest? Are you going to ask them to buy your product? Are you going to ask them to come to work for you or to stay there and be part of, of the long journey that your company is going on? If you don't know what that ask is in that closing, then you're dropping the ball on giving the speech. You see, every time that you're asked to give a speech, it's an opportunity. And there's nothing I hate more than opportunity lost when it comes to presentations. All right, I've got a couple of more things to share with you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right. So we've talked about some of the basics of what you need to do and how you need to do it. But here's what I want you to think about. Are you making the audience a priority? If you're not thinking of the audience when you're writing the speech and as you walk onto the stage and the whole time you're giving the speech, then you're not going to be all about the audience. You're not going to get them as engaged as you can. So often people have, take the stage and one of the things they want to do is they want to prove that they're the smartest person in the room. Nobody wants to go listen to a speech so that you can be the sage on the stage. The day of the smartest person in the room is over. People who listen to you, they want to be a peer. They want to interact. They want you to talk like you're having a conversation with them. But at the same time, they want to know that you understand who they are. So you need to be thinking about what are the things I can do that will help engage everybody. You want to make people lean in while you're speaking. You want to make sure that the people in the audience are paying attention to you. Because let's face it, sometimes people have to go listen to you speak. They don't want to be there. Maybe they had to go to the conference. Maybe they go to the conference because it's the only place they can get their continuing education credits. Or maybe it's inside your company and their boss said, hey, the CEO is speaking. And they're like, ah, we have to go listen to him again. But they go anyway and they smile. And here's one of the things. I talk to CEOs all the time and they're like, yeah. You know, I watched myself on tape and, and, and I just don't think I'm that good, but everybody always tells me great speech. Think about this for a minute. If you worked for a company and the CEO gave a speech, are you going to walk up to him and go, wow, that was another boring half hour? No. If you run into the CEO in the elevator, you go, hey, thanks for your speech or great speech. Early on in my speaking career, a gentleman who became a mentor to me asked me, Tom, after you give a speech, what do you want the audience to say? And I fell for it. I went right in for where he wanted me to go. And I said, I want them to say great speech. I want to be, I want to be one of the best speakers at the whole conference. Great speech. And he goes, nope, you don't want people to say great speech. 
And I looked at him with a little half smile and I said, oh yeah, I have an ego. I want them to say great speech. And he said, Tom, here's the problem. We live in a polite society. So imagine for a minute that you're at a conference and you have just seen a speaker who is highly mediocre. I mean, eh. now they weren't horrible. They weren't saying anything offensive. There was no reason to stand up and walk out. But when they got to that part where they said in conclusion, you were like, yep, thank God this is over. Now, imagine for a minute that you get in the elevator and one other person gets in the elevator and the doors close and you make eye contact with that person and it's the speaker. And the speaker knows that you were in the conference. They know that you were in the conference room. You saw them giving that presentation because you have a little name tag around your neck or for one other reason, they recognize you. And you know that they know that they know that you know that you were in that room. What do you say to that speaker? Most often you're going to say something that is, that is like great speech. You're going to say, hey, great job today or great speech or thanks for giving that speech. And one time I was sharing this with a woman and she said to me, no, Tom, I am brutally honest. I would never lie to somebody. And I go, so what do you say to that speaker? Would you look at that speaker or the CEO of your company, whoever it was, and say, wow, that was highly mediocre? And she said, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm a nice person, but I would find that one little part and I would tell him I loved, loved that story about your sister. And I said, great. Do you know what the speaker just heard? He or she heard you say, great speech. So we are so polite that nobody tells people they're not doing a great job. So my mentor said to me, I said, well, what do I want him to say? And he said, after you give a speech, you want people to come up to you and ask a question that is a derivative of the words, what else can you do for me? And I looked at him like I was a deer in the headlights. I'm like, what? And he said, what else can you do for me? That translates to, Tom, do you have a book that I can buy? Do you do training classes around what you just spoke about? Hey, do you have a podcast? Hey, would that speech work for a law firm? Or could you come into a hospital and do that speech for doctors? Or even the dreaded, hey, I really liked what you had to say. Could I take you to Starbucks, buy you a cup of coffee, and pick your brain? He said so many people say, I hate it when people say, I want to pick your brain. And he said, but here's the thing. That is the biggest compliment ever because you would never go up to a mediocre speaker and say, I would like to learn more from you. So that's what you need to be thinking about. You need to be thinking about how do I engage the audience to the point where they come up and say, what else can you do for me? Because when you've done that, when they lean in and they want more of you, and if they want to follow you, that's when you're making waves as a speaker. So you've got to organize everything that you're doing to take the audience along on a journey. The second thing you need to do is you need to be really confident in who you are as a speaker. So often people get up there and they become speaker man or speaker woman because they're so nervous. They're so worried about being able to give a presentation that they don't know what to do. So therefore they put on this facade, but what seeps out is the nervousness. How do you get confident? You get confident by doing it. I read an article one time in Speaker Magazine, which by the way is proof there is a magazine for everybody. I read this article about 15 years ago and it was an interview with a woman named Roxanne Emmerich. Now, Roxanne is a legend in the speaking and training business, especially in financial services. And she said that the problem is people think they're really good off the bat. And some people are. She said, but for most people, you have to give about 300 presentations and learn from them along the way in order to get really good. Now, when I read this, I thought 300 speeches, my God, I'll never get to 300 speeches. I'd probably done like 50. However, when I crossed that 300 mark and now I've crossed the thousand mark, there's something that comes with the confidence because you've done so many. 
Same thing is true with podcasts. I host this podcast and then I'm paid to host three others as the paid host. And people come to me all the time and they say, Tom, I want to do what you do. I, I want to get paid to host podcasts. That sounds so cool. And I say, how many episodes have you done of your own show? And they go, none. I don't have a podcast or I've done 14. And I'm like, well, I've done almost 700 episodes of Making Waves at Sea Level. And I'll tell you what, it is so much better now than it was at episode 14. So you've got to get the experience because that brings you that confidence so that you don't have that nervousness because the nervousness brings along a lot of bad, bad habits and bad little ticks. So you want to come out and have that level of presence that says, I'm here to shake things up. I'm here to make waves. You want to listen to what I'm here to say because that's the way you persuade people. And as I said, why are you giving a speech if you're not trying to persuade someone? Even if it's an informational speech, you want them to take that information and do something with it. So make sure that you're doing that. So that's what I want to talk about today. This topic is becoming more and more important. And I don't think you would have invested the last 21 minutes listening to me ramble about the importance of speeches, the different types of speeches, and how you can fine tune what you're doing unless you have something that you want to accomplish. So after all these years of people saying, you know, do you do speech coaching? I often said no. Although over the years, I just figured out I've done about 50 consultations with people who wanted to be better speakers. Now, a few of those have been individual CEOs and other executives, uh, several lawyers who want to improve their speaking skills. But most of that 50 has been when I serve as the master of ceremonies for a conference, I often offer the meeting planner that I can coach any non-professional speakers who will be on their agenda. And so sometimes I'm paid to work with a team of like five or seven speakers who, who aren't seasoned to help them just get, just get ready, just to be a little bit more comfortable. And so I started pulling together all of the things that you would need to be able to improve your speaking skills. And I found that there's a lot of people out there who teach presentation skills, but they charge a lot of money for it. I want to make this affordable for everybody, whether your company's paying for it or you're paying for it. And so I have a three meeting coaching session. We meet three times. The first time we meet, it's just you and I on Zoom or in person if you happen to live in Austin, Texas, and we go through everything I've just talked about. We find out about your background, maybe any hangups or fears that you have about speaking, what level of experience you have, and what it is that you want to accomplish along with what types of speeches do you have to give. Then the second two meetings are either in person or on video, I will review you giving a speech and then together we will go through it and help you figure out where the little ticks and the hiccups and the parts are where you could really improve. And then the third meeting is that same thing again after you've had time to put what we learned in the first, the second meeting into practice. Now, I've worked with several people where they've come back and said, I need three more meetings. That's awesome. We can add on to that and we can go forward. Now, I'm not going to announce the price that I charge for that right here on the podcast because let's face it, the podcast lasts forever and things change. But I will say that anyone who calls me and asks me about this, I will give you $150 off the package, no matter where the package is priced. Even if you hear this in five years and the package is a lot more expensive, I'll still give you $150 off. So you want to call me and you can find me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com. All my contact information is right there. You want to call me, tell me you want to talk about the three-meeting speech coaching offer that I have, and let me know, hey, I heard about it on your podcast. I get the $150 discount, and I promise I won't raise it by $150 when you say that. In fact, just so you can be sure, ask me the cost first, and then say, ha-ha, I get $150 off, and I will be glad to give that to you. 
Anyway, I think presentation skills are so important. I am really, really focused still at this stage of my career in learning how can I get better. I'm always listening to both my podcasts and live presentations that I give to look for things that I'm like, hmm, maybe I could have done that a little better. Maybe I could have been a little bit more confident in that. And what I want to do is take what I'm learning over the last 15 years and beyond, and I want to be able to share it with you in a concise way that's going to help you be a better speaker. Now, I'm also open for any feedback around this whole idea of presentation skills. Why did you listen for 25 minutes to this episode? What is it that you want that I didn't deliver in this presentation on the podcast? And maybe I can help you, but also I can help others because if something is important or there's an area where you think, oh, he didn't address this, I want to make sure that I'm aware of it. So reach out to me and you can always email me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSanger.com. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and listen. Uh, if you like these individual episodes, let me know. Sometimes uh, I think people uh, tend to like them and I get a lot of emails from people who say, I like the, the solo ones. And I always say, oh, maybe I should do one individual episode every single week. And then I get lazy and I love to interview people. So I just keep interviewing, but let me know. Give us some feedback. Anyway, go out there, flex your business muscles, practice your presentation skills, make sure your career ladder's in the right place. Go out there, shake things up, make some waves in business. And while you're doing it, have some fun. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.